that uh, God speaking uh, to uh, to His people, to Israel, saying, you know, "Don't don't lift your hands to another." Um, when we we come before God, when we we were just praying, um, and we say we bend our hearts, we bend our knees, we come before God, it's because there are ways that we are broken. That we are sinners, that we go our way, and when we encounter God, He will lead us according to His way. And there are times, at least the Scripture says, and I can testify uh, to it being the case, that my ways are not like God's ways. And that I don't necessarily want to go God's ways. And that unless God's people, God's word weren't presented to me, I wouldn't know God's ways were the right ways. And in my pride and arrogance, I always think my ways are the right ways. Um, Just uh, asked, uh, well, anybody that knows me. And at times, it takes a real intervention. And that's what Amos is bringing to... um, God's people. Remember, Amos was a shepherd. He was a sycamore tree farmer. He he was in the middle of Nowhereville. Um, Not even from uh, Israel. It was from Judah, the southern part of the kingdom. And, but God called him from the sycamore trees and the sheep and said, you need to go to Israel to deliver my word. Because they think they're doing the right thing and they're wrong. I think for me personally, I I, I like the prophets. I just I like you know getting it straight. I think it has to do with you know, being a mediocre athlete and getting my head banged a lot. Maybe that was the case. But getting it, being a mediocre athlete, you know, when you go to practice, you're just prepared. To catch the wrath of the coach. You know, you just know it's going to come because he's going to tell you, hey, you, you did this wrong. You didn't, you didn't run fast enough, didn't shoot well enough, didn't block hard enough. You just prepared for the coach to tell you, here's the right way to do it. And, and so as a mediocre Christian, I'm ready to hear from our Creator. Hey, this is what life is. This is what it means to follow me. Let go of those other things that you want to attach yourself to that look like they bring life and, and value, but they're fool's gold. Seek me. Seek me, and, and then you'll live. What we see in, in Amos is that God brings a word of judgment, but He brings it for the church. He brings it so that the church will repent, so that the church will, will change their ways, and that they will follow the, the way of God. I invite you to turn with me to Amos chapter 4, starting with verse 6. It's on page 745 in your pew Bible if you want to... Uh, turn there, or you can uh, follow along on the screen. Let's pray together. Gracious God, thank you for your written word. Uh, Thank you that it it speaks to us of your truth, that it brings a word of correction um, to us when we are lost in our own blindness, uh, when we indeed are on the side of the road and don't even know it. 
and we are blind and don't even know it. Uh, That you, through your written word, point us to the way and the truth and the life. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amos chapter 4, starting with verse 6, and we'll go through chapter 5, verse 7. I gave you cleanness of teeth in all your cities and lack of bread in all your places. Yet you did not return to me, says the Lord. And I also withheld the rain from you when there were still three months to the harvest. I would send rain on one city and send no rain on another city. One field would be rained upon and the field on which it did not rain withered. So two or three towns wandered to one town to drink water and were not satisfied. Yet you did not return to me, says the Lord. I struck you with blight and mildew. I laid waste your gardens and your vineyards. The locusts devoured your fig trees and your olive trees. Yet you did not return to me, says the Lord. I sent among you a pestilence after the manner of Egypt. I killed your young men with the sword. I carried away your horses. I made the stench of your camp go up into your nostrils. Yet you did not return to me, says the Lord. I overthrew some of you as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. And you were like a brand snatched from the fire. Yet you did not return to me, says the Lord. Therefore... Thus I will do to you, O Israel, because I will do this to you. Prepare to meet your God, O Israel. For lo, the one who forms the mountains, creates the wind, reveals his thoughts to mortals, makes the morning darkness and treads on the heights of the earth. The Lord, the God of hosts, is his name. Hear this word that I take up over you in lamentation. O house of Israel, fallen, no more to rise, is maiden Israel, forsaken on her land with no one to raise her up. For thus says the Lord God, the city that marched out a thousand shall have a hundred left, and that which marched out a hundred shall have ten left. For thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, Seek me and live. But do not seek Bethel. Do not enter into Gilgal or cross over into Beersheba. For Gilgal shall surely go into exile and Bethel shall come to nothing. Seek the Lord and live. Or he will break out against the house of Joseph like fire. And it will devour Bethel with no one to quench it. Ah, You that turn justice to wormwood and bring righteousness to the ground. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. First, I just want to walk through this passage. Just really a couple sections of it. Just to help us again just um, learn some of the techniques and just how to read um, the the prophets and especially the, the minor prophets. In, in the first part of the, the passage, uh, what God is saying is that He has used events in their lives in order to reveal to them the ways they were straying from God. 
God will use events in our life to, to wake us up, to, to turn us to Him. He will use events that are very negative, that are even painful in our lives, so that we will avoid a greater harm later on down the road, so that we will turn back to Him and fulfill the purpose He has for us to be not only a blessing to one another, but a blessing to the world. As we talked about last week. The the purpose for which God called Israel from the days of Abraham on was for them to be a blessing to the world. And if they go their own way, they cannot fulfill that purpose. And not only they lose, but the whole world loses. And, And the same for us. Now, be clear, that's not always the case. It's not always the case when things bad happen to us does not mean that God is disciplining us. Just ask Job, uh, ask Paul, the Apostle Paul, or ask Jesus, who was in the very center of God's will as he had nails in his hands and feet and a spear in his side. So just because bad things happen do not mean that that's God's discipline. But sometimes it is. And it's part of our relationship, our living relationship with Him, that that we engage things in our lives and we say, God, are you speaking to us? Are you telling us something here? Are you you communicating something to me here for my own long-term good? And just a note in this first uh, verse, I gave you cleanness of teeth that isn't the dentist's favorite verse um, in all your city. What that, that means is they didn't have food. So their teeth were clean, but their stomachs were empty. And now, there may be some times that you sit in the dentist's chair and you think it's God's judgment um, on you. But uh, he, so he goes through all these ways that, that he brought on these negative occurrences in their life in order For them to repent, to wake them up, to get their attention, to to pull them away from whatever evil had pulled them into its snare. Pulled them away from God so that they would turn back to Him. And it may be worthwhile for someone in uh, this room to consider. Ah, the events in my life a way that God's trying to get my attention. A way that God is, is speaking um, to me. Now, again, I, I want to be sure to say that's not, it's not one-to-one correspondence. It's not that simple. It's not a, just a, that's not a, a, a rule of life, but it's something to engage in conversation with God. Our friends in Nigeria, present day example, are facing all kinds of opposition. Got an email from Jacob this week. And if you recall, Nasiru is one who is a Muslim background, who's now come to Christ. And his village is trying to uh, persuade him through all kinds of um, means to come back to the, the village. And his life is in danger. 
And if you've been following the news, uh, um, uh, the, uh, a group has arisen in Nigeria, set off 20 bombs, killed over 150 people, um, set some bombs in churches um, in uh, portions of Nigeria. And so um, Jacob asks for us to continue to pray for them, especially for Nasiru, um, who Jacob has hidden away in a place so as to not um, be captured. The, the opposition they face is persecution. From the evil one. So there's not one-to-one correspondence. There are some times that we do exactly what God wants us to do. And it leads um, to bad things happening. But in this case, uh, with, with Amos, to be aware that there are times that God does use the events in our lives that are negative in ways to awaken our soul, our spirit, cause us to repent, to bring us back to Him. Verses 12 and 13 then present, you know, why is God able to do this? That God has the right to do this, has the, the right to, to mess with our lives, to turn our lives upside down, to do such things to us. Why does God have that right? Well, it's because He created you. Because He created me. He created us. He he loves us. Created all that is and has in His beautiful wisdom the way of life and truth and justice and righteousness. So it's for our good and for the good of the world. And, And know that as God brings this discipline upon the people Israel, as He brings a word of judgment, it is not with joy but humanly speaking, with tears in his eyes. Chapter 5, verse 1. Hear this word that I take up over you in lamentation. He laments. He, he, he weeps in human terms as he brings discipline upon his people. Saddens God. And again, see then the end of what we just read, uh, verses 2 through 7. What he desires for all of this to do is to cause his people to repent, to let go of whatever is pulling them away from God, to let it go so that they will turn and seek him and there find life. Find life to the fullest, as Jesus said. Seek me and live, he says a number of times and a couple of times later on. That is his desire. Part of the reason that we have a time of confession every time that we gather is a time for us to be quiet, to stop and to listen to to God's word, to God's direction to us. Uh, Where are the ways that we are falling short of his desire? Where are the ways that we're going our way or the way of the world, but not the way of Christ? A time to confess to repent and hear the word of Amos, to turn and seek God so that we might live. And the good news for us is we can come to a time of confession this side of Calvary, you know, this, this side of Jesus' life and His death and His, His resurrection, His ascension into heaven, knowing that He is now the Son standing with the Father, our advocate, and that in Him 
we are, are made whole. In Him, we are cleansed. So we can come to a time of confession, not out of fear, but even out of an excitement. A, a, a strong desire to come before Him in confession so that He might cleanse us and we might be in the power of His Spirit so led every day to live in the fullness of life that He has for us. We come regularly so that God doesn't have to call an Amos to catch us when we're so far down that He's got to do such drastic measures. You know, we, we regularly want to keep short accounts with God. Recognizing where we are broken, where we fall short, where we are sinners. And receiving that abundant grace and mercy in Christ. So as I thought about this passage and wondered about God's word for us. I, I considered for us as a, as a church, okay, Amos, if you were to leave the, the sheep and come speak to us, um, what might be your word? I, I considered just taking this passage and, and just reflecting over the last several months, um, uh, reflecting over the, we, we did some of this really at the leadership retreat where we had staff and elders and, and deacons um, together, um, really exploring um, what would be, uh, we use the language about prescription, the prescription um, from the great physician to lead us into further health as a church. Certainly came to my mind when we were in Orlando at the Fellowship of Presbyterians and, and gathering with 2,000 Presbyterians from um, three, 400 churches and uh, really pursuing um, God's will together. And, and I, I took that, that, that wonder, that sitting before God, all right, God, what, what would you say to us? And, and, and uh, filtered it through you know, our, our prayer that, that we want to connect in Jesus no matter our differences we want to serve the world like Jesus uh, no matter the cost. That we want to celebrate uh, Jesus no matter our circumstances. And, and I landed in that connect in Jesus no matter our differences. In, in a couple ways. For, for us as a, a challenge in a sense. A, a correction, a leading to the, the next steps. Uh, for us as a, as a community of faith. One, that we want to connect in Jesus no matter our differences. What, what that, that means for us is that we want to be a group of people that as best we can looks more like heaven. You know, we uh, pray regularly when we pray according to the, the word of Jesus uh, that... Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What goes on in heaven, we, Spirit, do that in our midst. Do that in and through us. That, that's what we, we want. And we know from Revelation 7 that heaven looks like people of every nation, tribe, and tr tongue gathering at the throne of God, worshiping Him together. We were reminded at our leadership retreat that uh, 
Only 7% of the Christian congregations in the United States start to look like heaven. Only 7% of the Christian congregations in the United States are integrated, multicultural. And by that definition, that means 80%. There's there's no single group that's 80% of the congregation. So what that means is that 93% of the congregations in the United States have over 80% of the people who participate being the same kind of person. Only 93% of, or only 7% of the Christian churches in the United States starting to look like heaven. Now, we, as a church, have intentionally taken steps to, to, to pursue that dream, to, to look like heaven. And, and, we, and we've, as a church without walls, torn down some of those walls. And as we tear down walls and walk through the rubble, we find new walls. Because it's not an American problem. It's not a church problem. It's a human problem. I don't know the statistics for the churches around the world, but I imagine they're probably the same. We tend to flock together. We tend to play by the social rules of our culture rather than we do the rules of heaven. And so, to go against the grain of the way of the world, of the the, the social constructs of our world, it takes intentionality and effort. And the more we go against the grain the harder it will become. And we've faced that in conversations and um, in, uh, uh, that I've had with a number of folks. As we take a step, it gets more and more difficult. Uh, even at the, the conference that we were at in Orlando. I mean, it was basically... I mean, we commented on this. It's basically all white. There were very few people of color present what we wondered as a group as we encountered that was maybe this is one of the places that God is leading us to take these difficult steps to to move in this direction because the rest of the church in which we connect needs help and maybe he's, he's leading us in that way, challenging us in that way, continuing to push us in that way because of the role that he would want us to have as a blessing to the, the rest of the church and the world in that particular way of connecting in Jesus no matter our differences and making it intentionally our goal and pursuit to look more and more like heaven. So for me... As I looked at this and applied it to us in this particular way, I had to repent and confess how easy it is for for me to forget the insidious evil of racism that goes on in our world. And how easy it is for me as a, a white male to forget my privilege and to be blind to that racism in me and in our world, that we, in the power of the Spirit, 
in the death and resurrection of Jesus have to face and fight and overcome in Him. So I, I'm, I'm sorry to God. And, and I'm sorry to you for the, the ways that I can be mediocre in following this dream. And I'm thankful that God isn't. And that God is still at work and He continues to, to teach and lead and direct and challenge us, bring discipline to show us and remind us and remind me and call me back to some of the details of what it means to seek Him. So for this year, the, the session of the church will really be diving into this, into the, the second and third levels of what it means to be a community that are connected in Jesus no matter our differences, to go against the ways of the world. Another way that was brought up to me, both, uh, again, at the leadership retreat and also at the, the event this week, was how we connect in Jesus no matter our differences. The, the need for relationships that are mentoring, what we call discipling, life-sharing relationships, one-on-one, small group interactions where we share our life, we share our struggles, we share our pain, safe places to really engage with one another, to, to, to learn and grow and challenge and help one another follow Jesus. Again, we, we've taken good steps along those ways. We've, we've instituted the foundational hour to bring folks together uh, around the Word in smaller groups that we, we share. We've, we've done a lot of good stuff when it comes to welcoming and basic hospitality. I mean, folks, all, when you come to, to church here, you're going to be greeted with a smile and folks are, are really kind and nice and, and a great first and second step. But what about the third step and, and the fourth step? where we, we share our lives with each other in much closer ways. Again, it's just, just as the, the first one that uh, God brought to mind, this one, there's, there's good steps that have been taken and you tear down some walls and then you find new ones. I was just so much hoping you get rid of one wall and then everything's a playground. But as we talked at the leadership retreat, we're not in heaven yet. So what uh, I encourage and challenge um, each of us to do is one, to participate regularly in the foundational hour events when we gather together in smaller groups and uh, around the world and, and, and share life with each other. Encourage and challenge us to, to take, uh, participate in the prayer pals that are going on right now. To participate in the, the, the women to women and men to men um, ministries that are designed for that very purpose. To help break down even uh, generational barriers and to connect with each other in Christ. Or, or simply just to take initiative this year to... Get to know one person you don't know well in the church. Uh, take the year to develop, pursue that relationship. For me, as I reflected on that, 
so easy to, to see ways to, to not do that. And I had to confess. It's, I get too caught up in, in, in leading a church and preparing sermons about relationships and communities. Um, organizing meetings where relationship and community can happen that I neglect relationships and community. That I neglect the basic mentoring, discipling, relationships. Finding someone that's, that's gone a few steps ahead of me on the journey. And saying, hey, can you share with me your wisdom? And finding someone a few steps behind on the journey and say, yeah, let me share with you my mistakes. Finding folks that we can pour our lives into or they can pour their lives into us. In the, the nitty-gritty of, of mentoring, of discipling relationships, of sharing life with one another. So I, I had to confess uh, to God that yeah, I get too caught up in all some of the other things that are, that are good, but they're not the best that, you would, that God would have for me. So I'm sorry to God and to you for, for ways that can fall into being mediocre. But I'm thankful to God who brings that, that word of truth, who brings that way of life, and who doesn't let me languish in my own fallenness, in my own mediocrity, but who continues to intersect my life and our lives to continue to challenge us and lead us to Him so that we might live and be a blessing to one another and to the world. So, uh, from Amos 4 and 5 here, one, realize God uses events in our lives to correct us, to bring us back to Him when we've strayed from Him. And I'm proposing to us as a church that God has been working on us and will continue to work on us to, to help us better connect with one another. Uh, to better connect in Jesus no matter our differences. To bring Him glory, to bring blessing to us, and to bring blessing to the world. Amen. Let's uh, pray together. Gracious God, we do rejoice and give you thanks that you are intimately involved in our lives, that you speak to us when we are are falling short of you and we are on the the wrong path. Lord, we ask that you will continue to do that and you will, in your power, give us ears to hear. Thank you for your patience with with us and for your leading us into your, your fullness. We lift up one another to you. We, we pray for our brothers and sisters in need. We, we continue to, to pray for our brothers and sisters in Nigeria, especially for Nasiru and for Jacob and for the, the church there. We pray for our brothers and sisters in Syria as well, in the midst of chaos. And we pray in both nations, as we pray for our own, that those from positions of power and leadership would use that, uh, those positions to, to bring about justice, to bring about and make peace. 
so that indeed your church can flourish. I pray that you would give them a wisdom, a boldness, and a strength to remain true and strong to you in the face of such opposition. And we continue to lift up those in our midst in need of your healing touch. We pray for DeMarco as he recovers from automobile accident. Pray for Josiah as he recovers from surgery. Continue to lift up to you uh, Amelia Barch and your, your healing hand upon her. We lift up to you your, for your, your healing touch, uh, Jim Murphy and Jim Schaffner, Mildred White. We thank you for your, your healing upon um, Linda uh, Breedemeyer. We lift up the other concerns and matters of one another that, that we have. We, we bring them uh, before you boldly, not because we have any right or privilege, but because we come in the name of Jesus Christ, in whom we are clothed, in whom we are cleansed, in whom we are able to come before you and lay uh, one another, our friends, our loved ones, even our enemies, at your feet. And gracious God, we ask together as your community that, that we would be the people you are desiring us to be. And so as we pray together, we, we pray not these words because they're uh, magic in any way, but that they would continue to communicate uh, to you and form us as we long to be the people you've created us to be. For your glory and your honor. Dear God, make us into your community for your glory. Connect us in Jesus no matter our differences. Lead us to serve the world like Jesus no matter the cost. Help us to celebrate you no matter the circumstances. We need you, Holy Spirit, to empower us to greater works than Jesus. Amen. Now, let us continue to worship God as he has given to us generously, cheerfully, and sacrificially. Let us uh, do the same as we give unto him.